Hello and welcome to Pali, Ritu's weekly discussion podcast. I'm Prashant Paruman, your host for today. The Reserve Bank of India Governor, Mr. Shakti Kantadas, this week noted that the second wave of the pandemic will not be as severe as the first one. The reason he gave was that, the, that businesses and people in general have uh, started to adapt to lockdowns as a new way of life and that the hit to the demand in the economy would be much lower this time. So uh, we'd like to discuss that with two panelists that we've got today here. First is uh, Mr. Vivek Kaul, who's a business journalist and the author of uh, his latest book is uh, India's Big Government, How the Intrusive State is Hurting Us. Uh, and we've also got uh, Ms. Radhika Pandey, who's an economist and a consultant with the uh, National Institute of Public Finance and Policy uh, in Delhi. Uh, welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Prashant. Uh, the, f- uh, the first question uh, I'd like to pose is to Radhika, and it's about like, uh, how exactly do you see the um, uh, RBI governor's assessment? Uh, how, do you, how would you see it from a, a theoretical perspective, uh, the model that you see as an economist uh, like uh, uh, what i can think of is like uh, you could compare this to probably like demonetization or also the lockdown that we had last year uh, demonetization i guess like was primarily a demand shock to the economy uh, and uh, uh, and the uh, lockdown last year was uh, more of a supply shock i guess but also the demand also gets affected right like uh, because you you stop the consumers as well from going on so how exactly do you look at the current lockdown uh, from a, a theoretical perspective? Yeah. Uh, so I think there are two key differences between uh, the, the first wave of the pandemic and what we are experiencing now. Uh, the first wave was uh, primarily, uh, you know, it was responded by a nationwide lockdown, which resulted in a severe supply shock. Uh, and uh, because suddenly everything was shut, so it was a supply shock. What we are seeing now is is not exactly a severe supply shock. What we are now seeing is a demand shock because the second wave, because of it being very uh, highly transmissible and highly virulent and highly uh, intensive, you know, it's it's ferocious as compared to the first wave. It's, it's created a, a lot of uncertainty, pessimism and loss of confidence among households and businesses. Uh, so even though it may start receding in the next couple of weeks, we've already seen a decline but this is this is this is much uh, more a demand shock uh, not in terms of the intensity but in terms of the duration so you know it will take time for people to start uh, recovering because it has created a lot of uncertainty uh, so that's the key difference between the first wave that it was it was it first wave was a supply shock and this is supply shock is there because of lockdowns and curfews but it's in scattered it's in po- some po- uh, pockets of the country but primarily it is a demand shock because it has affected it has caused so much uncertainty and it has affected the sentiments of people people are you know not willing to do discretionary spending uh, they are saving for precautionary motives so and that's the difference and that will take some time to start you know uh, you know propel people to st- 
increase spending going forward so uh, in the last uh, year what we saw was that during the first quarter savings increased uh, because of the lockdown people were not able to spend but in the second quarter we saw that you know savings declined and uh, consumption spending picked up but that it it, it is difficult to see, say whether that will happen this time we don't, we might not see a steep v-shaped recovery that we saw last time yeah okay and how do you see the impact in terms of like the magnitude of the uh, uh, growth slowdown yeah so it it won't be as steep as contraction as uh, uh, last time in fact it won't be a contraction because uh, for the year as a whole what we what we are anticipating as per the cso's numbers is an 8% contraction uh, but this time it will be a growth but what we are seeing is that you know most of the uh, uh, forecasters agencies are paring down their growth forecast uh, because uh, because nobody anticipated the uh, severity of the second wave so you know if you look at moody's cities nomura everybody has you know cut their growth forecast so while it will be a growth uh, but it, it in this year we won't be able to reach the pre pandemic levels of growth in terms of levels because you know year on year is a very misleading term at this point in time so if we look at levels of uh, you know uh, gdp we won't be able to reach the pre pandemic levels uh, this year but as compared to last year there will definitely be a growth okay thanks thanks radhika uh, moving on to vivek like how do you see the to the, uh, this year's lockdown as compared to last year's or even uh, demonetization of 2016 right so you know i mean i basically agree with uh, whatever radhika said and uh, essentially uh, you know the key difference between uh, last year and this year uh, uh, would be that uh, you know this year uh, you know the growth will essentially uh, be on a slow burner i mean we we will uh, we will probably now we will not see a contraction because last year was really bad but uh, uh but the growth will be uh, extremely slow and uh, and economists will have to keep revising their numbers so right now they have you know revised growth from 13% 14% to around 9 10 11% so these numbers uh, will go down further uh and you know there are multiple uh, reasons uh, for it uh one key reason that i i think uh, you know uh, that has not been talked about enough is is the fact that uh, you know uh, almost all governments in india missed uh, the second wave they didn't see it coming and uh, they had to hurriedly uh, place uh, you know uh, put uh, lockdowns in place and uh, and now it will be a little difficult for them to uh, you know unwind these lockdowns i mean i don't see that happening very very uh, quickly one is because obviously they saw the they missed the second wave uh, two there is a fear that if the lockdown is lifted the numbers might grow up and and three there is a fear of uh, the third wave so uh, if you take all these uh, factors together uh, i don't see these lockdowns uh, the economy uh, opening up very very uh, quickly it will take some time for the economy to open up and uh, and given that uh, and given the fact that we are largely as you know uh, uh, you know what we call a services economy uh, but you know even though our services economy is very different from uh, the services economies in the rich western countries uh, so unless uh, you know the guy who who sort of makes a daily living is able to do it uh, you know at the same in the same way as he used to before uh, the lockdowns and and before the pandemic spread uh, 
you know, the economy can't get back to where it was. Now, uh, before the second wave, the, uh, you know, all the economists were essentially saying that, uh, you know, 2021-22 GDP should cross uh, the 2019-20 GDP. Uh, I don't think that will happen now because, uh, uh, you, you know, so we, we were at, I think, around 145 lakh crore in 1920. Uh, we are expected to fall to 136 lakh crore this year. Uh, so uh, in uh, 2021 and, you know, so we'll probably, we'll, we'll grow from uh, 2021, but it will take us uh, a little more time to get back to where we were in 1920. So what you see basically is a protracted slowdown uh, due to the virus. So uh, even, uh, and there's very much a possibility that uh, India will have to fight the virus through a long time. So the pandemic is probably going to be an endemic, yeah. Yeah, and the other the other point that I uh, I wanted to make is is the fact that uh, you know given that our uh, vaccine supplies are in a mess right now, so you know one quick way of getting the economy back on track would have been to uh, sort of uh, inoculate a large part of the population, uh, but that is not going to happen uh, you know at, in anytime soon. I mean. Uh, even with uh, the even with uh, the very very positive government uh, uh, numbers, uh, you know the the sort of herd mentality. Uh, sorry, not herd mentality. Herd immunity gets achieved only by around uh, the end of this year. So uh, so you know that being the case, uh, most of this year will essentially uh, go in fighting the pan- pandemic. So, no, uh, do you, uh, don't you think even. Uh, like the uh, pandemic ending at the end of the year actually looks uh, pretty optimistic, doesn't so it? Which is what I'm saying. You know, okay. if we, mm-hmm. that is if we take the if we assume that the government numbers are right, and uh, you know, only then. I mean, otherwise we we go on to next year as well. So, Radhika, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. So we don't probably get to the same solution that the Western countries have because the Western countries are probably like vaccinated more than half their population, like uh, the UK, US and uh, other countries like that. So you don't see that happening in India. Yeah, because the if you look at the US, UK, they have already uh, vaccinated a considerable chunk of their population and now they are opening up because they have vaccinated a substantial chunk of that, their population. That is not happening here because even, you know, only three to four percent of our population is vaccinated. And as Vivek pointed out, even under the most optimistic scenario, it's not possible this year, maybe in the, you know, uh, initial months of the uh, 2022, we can see some, uh, you know, progress on uh, vaccination. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm uh, you know, of the opinion that the economic growth recovery will be a protracted affair because it all depends on the pace of vaccination and how quickly we are able to open up. And if that doesn't happen, even though in terms of magnitude, it the you know the decline won't be too steep, but in terms of duration, it will take uh, you know a lot of time because of the uncertainty, because of the fear of a third wave coming up. Uh, so uh, all these will render recovery uh, difficult and uh, longer. I just you know I wanted to take one point that Radhika had made a little forward. Uh, you know, uh, a, a significant uh, section of the population has uh, spent a, a large amount of their savings in trying to sort of fight COVID. Uh, a lot of people have also ended up in debt. Now, obviously, there is no uh, agglomerated data on this, but there is enough evidence uh, going around. 
you know if if you keep your uh, eyes and ears open now uh, so given that you know uh, so you know these families will find it difficult to spend then there is this great fear of the third wave and uh, from whatever uh, you know some of these experts have been talking uh, the fear is that this time around it will impact children so you know we are getting into uh, a territory which is very very dangerous and uh, and you know even if people have the money whether they are in the mental frame of mind uh, in the psychological state to go out and spend it is a question well worth asking oh all right i also get this also gets into the deeper question of state capacity right and uh, whether the indian state could actually uh, deal with pandemics and more specifically uh, vaccinate people not just uh, for one type of virus but uh, a virus that can actually mutate and you'll probably need like a different vaccines and you need to keep repeatedly vac- vaccinating the population and that kind of state capacity probably doesn't uh, happen in in a, in a certain year or something it's a protracted process i guess so one of you could talk about what exactly uh, is if that's if it's a deeper problem and, and there doesn't have a, a short term solution what are we looking at probably vivek could probably answer that i guess so uh, so basically uh, you know if you leave out uh, few southern states kerala tamil nadu uh, karnataka maharashtra to a certain extent uh, you know there uh, much of this indian much of india doesn't really have a health system and the inequality across states is simply mind boggling so you know one example that i often use is a comparison between kerala and jharkhand and i do that because uh, the population of jharkhand is slightly more than that of kerala and uh, kerala has close to 60 65000 doctors jharkhand is around 5 to 6000 so that itself tells you you know how how i mean i mean obviously only doctors do not uh, reflect the state of the health system but if you go into other numbers if you look at nurses uh, and if you look at beds if you look at you know all kinds of data uh, you will realize that there is a great deal of inequality that prevails all across the country now uh, one reason for this inequality is that medical education as such much of it happens uh, in seven states right you know the, the southern states gujarat and maharashtra so the other states do not you know, they don't produce enough medical professionals now this is not something that can be uh, set overnight i mean set right overnight it's not about uh, you know it's it's not just about spending more money i mean there are a uh, whole host of other issues involved here the supply curve is basically inelastic at the moment i guess <laughs> yeah so so you know so the 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 issue the issue here is that you know this this obviously has happened because of years and years of uh, neglect and uh, and that cannot be uh, set right overnight so the if you know the question is whether the uh, so there are two things here one is obviously uh, whether the indian state has the capacity to fight the covid pandemic no it doesn't that has been become very obvious by now now the second question is whether it has the capacity to give vaccines uh, yes i mean that you know on that front uh, the situation is not as bad uh, even though again if you, if you look at states like bihar uh, and if you compare it again with a state like kerala or even andhra pradesh uh the number of nurses in andhra pradesh and uh, and kerala uh, is significantly more uh, than the number of nurses in bihar i mean after we adjust for the population so uh so there is a problem 
but the vaccination problem is something that can be taken care of even in the short term as long as the vaccine supply becomes available okay got it there also leads to another like uh, i think a political economic question like the recent decision of the government has been to of the center uh, to be particular has been to and give the responsibilities away to the states uh, so uh, picking up from the point that vivek made about different states having different state capacity levels uh, radhika do you think like it's probably a good decision to uh, uh, give away more responsibility to the states so so that at least the states that have got good uh, state capacity they can deal with the pandemic more efficiently yes i think i mean what the the policy that was uh, introduced from the f- 1st of may where they tried to decentralize the vaccine policy where they say that plus 45 is the central government's responsibility and uh, after that they will uh, it is left to the states to procure from the uh, vaccine manufacturers and they have given uh, they have also allowed states to import uh, including the private sector entities so where the state capacity exists uh, it 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 does open a channel for the states to uh, you know start procuring and ramping up their vaccine supplies we have seen that uh, you know mumbai Mahara- municipal corporation has already floated tenders a number of other states are also for example delhi has also uh, you know uh, begun importing sputnik vaccine so uh, that is needed to some extent and that's what is the difference again in the response of the central government of the, uh, during the first wave and the second wave that the decision to either impose lockdowns or curfews are left to the states uh, vaccines are also Uh, for the 18 to 44 population is uh, left to states uh, and it helps in increasing the supplies because you know we cannot only depend on two vaccines given that uh, we didn't ramp up the uh, vaccine when uh, the first wave of the pandemic was receding we didn't ramp up the production at that time so at this time what is needed is a steady supply of vaccine uh, be it sputnik pfizer uh, or you know other imported vaccines which have been given some kind of validation by who and other agencies so what is needed at this time is a steady supply of vaccine so that uh, a greater chunk of the population can be vaccinated so according to me it's a it's a it's a prudent approach to give states the responsibility uh, uh, to vaccinate their population of course the uh, fiscal uh, uh, stress is there but if we look at the you know the numbers there there is the states do have the scope to uh, spend money on uh, vaccination because uh, they have been given the leeway under the frbm act uh, to borrow more and spend more so they do have the leeway and i think it's a good policy moving forward and we do hope that it will augment the supplies of uh, vaccines maybe not now but over the coming few weeks we should see an increase in the supply of uh, uh, vaccines got it okay vivek do you agree with the federal way of uh, like the decentralized no, not, way not 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 at all not, in fact not at all okay why, no, why is that not at all. Yeah. i think uh, you know i look at uh, the vaccine as a public good and i think uh, it should be made available for free to everyone and uh, i think uh, getting 29 states and you know cities within those states and then you know union territories to compete uh in a market where there is no supply is a bad idea because you know the central government had negotiated at its own level uh they could have you know i mean you're basically you know offering the entire indian market so you know you could you could have negotiated and gotten yourself a great deal if you wanted to also there is an allocation i mean they they made an allocation in the budget of 35000 crores and the 
finance minister is on record saying that uh, you know she would uh, be happy to spend more i mean it's it's there in her budget speech so i really don't know what the i don't see much uh, i don't know what the thinking is behind this i mean i am not based in you know i'm not based out of delhi so uh also you know the the basic factor behind uh, uh you know free vaccination and by free vaccination i don't mean that uh, the company should not be compensated adequately i mean it's it should be the government's responsibility to compensate these companies uh so uh, you know there is a huge positive externality uh, to vaccination i mean you know i mean only when you sort of vaccinate people do you move towards uh, uh, herd immunity so uh, so in this situation i mean i think getting uh, so many states and cities and union territories to compete for a vaccine is is a bad idea because this is not a uh, you know the con- conventional economics wherein you let the market set a price works when you know people when entrepreneurs can freely enter the market so if the price goes up entrepreneurs more entrepreneurs come in and then they offer their product and the price goes down and so on and so forth that is not going to happen in this uh, market also uh, i mean uh, the supreme court uh, in a recent decision talked about uh, the not in a, in a you know in a, in a recent i mean it wasn't a decision it was a comment uh, they talked about the uh, discrimination uh, being made between different classes of citizens i mean uh, you know i'll, I'll read out what uh, what the judges said discrimination cannot be made between different classes of citizens who are sim- similarly circumstanced on the ground that while the central government will carry the burden of providing free vaccines for 45 years and above population the state governments will discharge the response the state governments will discharge the responsibility of the 18 to 44 uh population age group on such commercial terms as they may negotiate so the manner in which the current policy has been framed would prima facie result in a detriment to the right to public health now this is you know these are the supreme the words of supreme court judges so there are a lot of problems uh, with this policy now what is happening is that you know the government is trying to sort of uh, the narrative that they they are trying to sell is that you know because we have let the states decide on uh, you know when they should implement a lockdown and you know uh, essentially everything else so the state should decide on the vaccine policy as well i mean i don't think uh, these two things are uh, comparable because uh, there are different issues uh, there are quite you know very different issues at play and i mean as i say, as, as i said you you are essentially offering the you know the the entire indian market which is uh, you know after china the biggest uh covid vaccine uh, market in the world so if the central government negotiates they can negotiate better instead of having you know more than 30 uh, 29 states seven union territory territories you know different cities uh going in for it now you know the mumbai municipal corporation can afford to do this uh what about the rachi municipal corporation what about the patna municipal corporation or if we go uh, even deeper what about uh, you know small towns in bihar Uh, something like a betia which is very close to nepal so what are those guys supposed to do uh, you are going to see a lot of inequality that you would see otherwise right you know uh, you cannot look at everything uh, from from the eyes of uh, the market 
can i add a point yeah here? sure 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 yeah. yeah no so i my point was that you know unless you incentivize producers to supply more you know the kind of uh, uh, negotiation that was uh, what has already happened based on that i'm saying that now what is the policy going forward the the the, the contract between the central government and say covishield was for you know some initial doses i i think 100 million doses so for that they uh, they negotiated a price and which was not uh, what is so called the market price so unless and until the producers are incentivized regardless of whether it's central government or state government that's the second point i am just saying that the supply curve is upward sloping and when you know uh, it, it, they need to be incentivized especially so when it's not that you know once we are given two doses of vaccines everything is fine when there will be third wave or maybe there are other variants it may be that may well be that we need to be vaccinated each and every time uh, so you know th- there is a need to have a continuous engagement with the vaccine manufacturers uh, both by the state governments and by the central government so that this remains as a continuous process if we look at some of the other countries uh, they have also started you know thinking about giving a third dose after the two doses of vaccines are already been administered to the population so it's about the price and it's about incentivizing private sector manufacturers not just the covishield and covaxin manufacturers but also other vaccine manufacturers so that they can supply and if you look at some of the other countries they have even negotiated at a premium so that you know they get they get more vaccines for uh, their country's population so given that they already do that better uh, like the no, I, uh, I'm just, I, I, my point was that what has already happened because we've already created uh, you know it's already at the first place it's messed up because the window that we had if that would have been used by the central government more effectively yes then absolutely correct and then it would have been a continuous process and central government would have front loaded and taken it forward but given that during those 4 5 months we did not do anything we did not speed up or ramp up our vaccine availability for the, the citizens of the country given that situation what's the what's the next best alternative so i think my only point is that state governments have to be uh, involved i guess if the center can't do its job it's uh, probably uh, at least you let the state governments who can effectively do it to let uh, let them do those uh... yeah i mean i i agree with uh, what radhika is saying almost uh, and uh, i mean uh, it is important to incentivize the manufacturers there's no denying that you know one thing that hasn't that did not happen uh, up until now was that you know the government did not incentivize i mean they didn't even up and you know uh the the last order was placed on april 28th uh and you know before that uh they were basically caught sleeping on the wheel now uh i agree with that 100% i mean manufacturers need to be incentivized but you know when but again again at the cost of going back to what i said earlier if you get 29 states union territories cities to compete uh you will end up in a in a in a much bigger mess and and the poorer states will lose out so that is another factor that needs to be as i kept in mind you know as i said uh, the bombay the uh, the brihan mumbai municipal corporation is one of the richest municipal corporations all across the world so they probably have the capacity to put out a tender buy vaccines pay it off but again you know so that is something that will not be possible uh, for smaller cities in in bihar jharkhand odisha chatisgarh uttar pradesh so what happens there so so this is not a scenario where uh, you know you know you you have to incentivize the producer but if you create comp- 
you know competition in in a in in such a market where there is very little supply uh, and this kind of competition where you know everyone's competing with everyone else it it, it just beats the entire idea of equality so i want to talk about the uh, response in general that the center and the states have made uh, in terms of monetary and fiscal policy measures uh, how do you see the difference between the first and the, uh, the general impression seems to be that uh, there was even even though the first stimulus last year was uh, kind of delayed uh, there was still a pretty uh, significant uh, stimulus but this time there there's uh, there's no signs of a stimulus coming around yes because i don't especially from the monetary side they don't have much space given that you know uh, we are seeing uh, bouts of inflation as well as uh, uh, you know growth slow down and given that you know we are out of the uh, global business cycle so see advanced economies they are uh, their growth is picking up us uh, growth is picking up uk's growth is picking up and as as a result inflation there is picking up because you know demand is uh, coming back on track uh, as a result we are seeing that oil prices surging global commodity prices are surging uh, and we are seeing the impact of that on uh, india's uh, domestic inflation so uh, uh, what we saw last time was that rbi did 115 basis points cut in the repo rate but it is hard to say that uh, you know uh, in the present scenario can rbi cut interest rates because inflation is uh, going to rise even though there is a uh, demand slowdown but mostly cost push inflation where inflation is driven by crude oil prices and input costs uh, it would be hard to say whether rbi can do much in terms of cutting interest rates so what it can do is what it did on the uh, 5th of may policy announcement where uh, it incentivizes banks to lend to uh, you know the sectors which have been hard hit like Uh, msmes and the health sector but again it depends on whether banks are willing to uh, lend because if we see the uh, credit growth over the last few uh, months uh, it's it's not actually picking up banks have become risk averse and they are not willing to lend despite all kinds of uh, nudges and incentives given by the rbi for example for the covid loan book if banks create they can you know keep an equivalent amount with the RBI and RBI gives uh, it interest rate more than the reverse repo rate, but it's it's hard to see whether banks will be willing to lend even given all these uh, uh, kinds of incentives because uh, they have become risk averse. There's already a possibility of uh, uh, you know NPA surging uh, in the uh, during September 2021. So uh, that's the other point that you know it's hard for the RBI to cut interest rate and then. given all the other policy support measures it is uncertain whether banks will actually take those measures and start lending more so on the monetary policy side there's a uh, there is a problem what fiscal policy can do is at least for the vulnerable sections uh, you know what they did in the during the last time atmanirbhar package was announced for different uh, sections of the population this time it's only for the moment it's only done f- uh, as part of the free food grain distribution so there is a scope for increasing that uh, there's scope for you know allocating more funds for uh, manrega given that there has been increase in the demand for work but other than that we don't see in the immediate term 
a very large uh, either fiscal push or monetary push because monetary policy because of inflation it is it is it is tight and fiscal policy already our debt to gdp ratio has risen to somewhere around 90% so how much they can you know further spend given a collapse in revenues is the ability is limited oh got it uh, so so we could probably see the uh, cost of a stimulus whether it's a monetary or fiscal Uh, as the opportunity cost of not spending enough on vaccines, right? At this, uh, this point, that's probably how you'll see it. I think the scope is is limited as compared to what we saw in the first wave. Even in the last wave, it was RBI that was doing the heavy lifting of you know providing stimulus measures. But at this point in time, even uh, that is constrained because of imported inflation and rupee depreciation, which will make it very complicated for RBI to uh, keep following a. a Uh, lose monetary policy. Okay, uh, Vivek. Uh, uh, I mean, I agree with hundred uh, percent with what Radhika just said, and uh, I mean, I would like to just make a couple of more points. And this is, you know, in in the broader sense, uh, rather than just looking at the pandemic. Now, you know, if 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 you look at uh, the monetary policy of the RBI, it hasn't been able to do much over the last five to six years okay you know they they talk about cutting interest rates and people borrowing and all that i mean all that works in theory but if you look at numbers it doesn't work now one of the things that the rbi has talking has been talking about for eternity is how lending to you know small and medium enterprises and uh, needs to go up now if you look at the lending to uh, micro and small enterprises it has not moved the overall lending has been the same for the last 6 years okay so in i mean i have the uh, numbers in front of me right now so in as of march 2015 the total lending to micro and small industries was 3.8 lakh crore as of march 2021 it was at 3.84 lakh crore so and this is despite offering all kinds of incentives lower interest rates uh, so on and so forth so at the end of the day uh, you know uh, what one needs to also look at is is the fact that one uh, whether banks are willing to lend two whether uh, and that's a genuine you know that's a genuine thing you cannot force banks to lend because you know we did that between 2009 and 2011 and the public sector banking system ended up in a mess and that is a mess we still haven't come out of so obviously there is a reluctance to uh, lend and second the second point that comes here is that uh, you know it also tells you the state of the small and medium enterprises uh, msme sector in 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 the country i mean they have been struggling uh, over the years and you know they they have faced everything from demonetization to uh, you know goods and services tax and and so on and now the lockdown so so obviously you, you know i mean it's not the i mean it's it's not the, uh, uh, the 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 main purpose of the bank is to take money from depositors and lend it in a way that they are able to return that money to depositors along with some interest it is not the purpose of a bank to revive the indian economy i mean so which is why you know monetary policy uh, has not worked for quite some time i mean it's not a uh, it's not a recent phenomenon also you know it again i mean i i have always found monetary policy to be extremely overrated and and uh, and i'll give you a very simple example of that now you know uh, let let's take a car loan okay so uh, an average car loan would be 4 to 5 lakh rupees or a little more than that perhaps so if the interest rate comes down by 25 to 50 basis points 
the EMI on that car loan comes down by around 50 to 100 rupees. So is a person going to go buy a car because the EMI has come down by 100 rupees? So this is a question that you know you need to ask because he is going to go buy a car if he has the confidence to pay that you know pay that EMI. He is not going to go buy a car because the EMI has come down by 100 rupees. So that sort of confidence needs to exist uh, before individuals go out and uh, take loans. So, so another aspect uh, uh, is the uh, migration of workers uh, from the cities to the villages. I think uh, that's happened both in uh, uh, cities where there's been a pretty tight lockdown as well as in other cities, I guess. So, uh, do you see, uh, see say a change? Uh, I mean, Radhika, do you see any changes in the kind of migration that's happening and the kind of, uh, I mean, they look at it from an economic lens? So, what we saw in the uh, first wave was that there was an abrupt lockdown and, uh, you know, borders were sealed and uh, migrant workers were walking, uh, walking on their feet back homes. This time around, even though uh, we have lockdown, but it's not a nationwide stringent lockdown and state borders are open and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a strategic decision by the uh, migrant workers to uh, go back. It's not that, you know, it's, that it's such a, it's just an abrupt response. Now they have also become, uh, you know, they have also understood that pandemic has caused a lot of uncertainty. Uh, so they are making a careful choice of, uh, going back home, even though uh, uh, their employment may not be adversely impacted in the uh, where they're working. That may not be the case. But because of the severity of the uh, uh, second wave, because of the transmissibility, they're making a conscious choice, uh, weighing all their options and uh, going back to the uh, going back home. So that's that's a key difference between what we saw in the uh, first wave, which was just a, you know, uh, abrupt response to the lockdown that was imposed. But this time, it's more of a careful decision that you know we have suffered a lot there's a lot of uncertainty so it's let's it's it's better to uh, go back home uh, that's one point and the other point is that as compared to the first wave this time the rural sector has been impacted much more severely and that's also visible in the uh, employment numbers what we see from the cmi uh, if we just look at the april numbers uh, the job loss was somewhere around 7.35 million people lost jobs just in the month of uh, april uh, and out of that 2.35 million people lost jobs in the rural uh, sector and that too in the salaried sector. Uh, so uh, it, it's much more, it's, it's impacting the rural sector much more. Uh, so that's a problem. That, that is one problem. And the other is that there is a, a reverse migration, which is a careful choice by workers to move back because of the uncertainty and because of the uh, seriousness and severity of the uh, virus this time, third wave coming up. They so understand all of this. So that's why they are moving back. But the point this time is that Last time, though Manrega was uh, was uh, valuable and helpful in uh, you know addressing the unemployment problem, and that's clearly visible if you look at the uh, in, uh, employment and unemployment numbers of last year post the lockdown. That rural employment was in a much better position as compared to urban uh, unemployment. But this time, we are seeing that you know the rural unemployment has uh, uh, surged as well as the urban workers who are moving back to their uh, uh, villages that has caused uh, increase in the unemployment and Manrega is not able to absorb uh, workers which has resulted in a huge mismatch between the demand for work and the supply of work 
also particularly because uh, supply you know the work has also suffered because of the virus people are getting sick uh, more and more people are getting sick uh, so whatever development works are initiated as part of the manrega program uh, they have uh, suffered so uh, that's that that is the problem this time that you know there is a, a reverse migration coupled with rural unemployment coupled with the fact that non farm uh, uh, activities have uh, suffered a lot because more and more people are uh, falling sick of course we don't see the numbers in the official uh, data set but more and more people are uh, falling sick even in the rural areas so as a result the uh, the development works and whatever non farm activities are envisaged as part of manrega suffering so there is a huge uh, demand supply gap which is further accentuating the inequalities and distress of the the workers so you're saying the crisis this time has been much more widespread uh, with the rural areas being yes affected. rural yeah. sector this time you know last time the the silver lining was the rural economy and all the quarters that we saw in 2020 21 if you look at the uh, gdp growth rate we saw that agriculture held up it was positive whereas all the other sectors growth was in the negative territory but this time around even the rural sector is suffering uh, you know there is one part which is agriculture prices may be uh, good but if you look at the non farm uh, activities in the rural sector it is uh, you know suffering because more and more people are falling ill and uh, there is a strain on the manrega uh, uh, scheme also because of the uh, growing disparity between the demand for work and the supply of work and in some cases we also find that even though if you know the work is offered people are not even taking that because of this uh, scare of the virus so it's a, it's a lot of things coupled together it's uncertainty it's pessimism it is the it is the fear of the virus a lot of things that has you know accentuated the uh, distress in the rural sector this time which we did not uh, observe to that extent in the first wave vivek do you have something no i think i mean that was a quite uh, very comprehensive answer uh, the only i mean i would the only point i think that i would like to add and there is no i mean i don't have any data for this this is just you know the general uh, sort of what we call anecdotal evidence i think what has probably also happened is that a lot of people who went back last year uh, never really came back okay so uh, i mean some of them did it's not like all of them did not but Uh, and and that i guess is has probably also added to the uh, employment and unemployment uh, pressure in the rural areas so uh, now obviously there is no way to sort of measure this uh, uh, but i think that is that is another uh, factor at play and and you know as as radhika said that uh, the question is that even if you increase the allocation to uh, manrega and uh, you know create more job works now whether people will turn up because you know ultimately wherever there is a, a, a you know a mandiga job work is offered uh, you will have a crowd and the moment you are in 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 a crowd that the chances of uh, getting the uh, the disease go up uh, so this is a very it's a very tricky uh, situation and it's not about uh, you know last year we we probably were uh, able to uh, spend our way i mean i i wouldn't say we were able to spend our way out of trouble but we were able to spend some money and uh, uh, and 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 create some uh, uh, economic activity now this time around it that uh, option is a, is is a little difficult to implement also the problem is you know at at the uh, uh, because you know real data is not coming through 
so i'm really not sure whether state governments actually know the uh, the the gravity of the situation because you know when when you start fudging data you know it's not like the data is fudged at the you know at at the topmost level i mean the fudging starts right at the bottom so how are we to know as to how bad the situation actually is this is kind of a, like like a final question to both of you i think uh, like both of you on how exactly do you see uh, the economy recovering uh, as a in a sustainable way rather than the virus hitting us every 6 months or one year so what should be done uh, by the governments whether the state or the central level to get, to probably like get to the level of the western states i mean the, the western countries which will like, uh, pretty much i think they are pretty ready for the next wave as well so how do we get there yeah so there are some you know short term measures to be taken and then and then as we were pointed out there are some medium term and long term measures that have to be taken short term measure is uh, and that is well within the uh, state capacity which is to ramp up the supply of vaccines and to ensure that more and more people get vaccinated uh, we should increase the daily pace of vaccination which is which has recently slowed down due to the shortage so that is uh, you know that's the immediate thing to be done because unless that is done it will take you know the the the, the pace of uh, slow down and you know the the pace at which the economy recovers that will take much longer the other part is uh, to seriously think about some structural reforms especially in the uh, medical sector and the, in the health infrastructure uh, the present pandemic has exposed the limitations but it needs to be ramped up and there are good suggestions being made by a number of uh, uh, medical practitioners on you know how to uh, you know prepare the medical infrastructure for this kind of uh, uh, pandemic which are, which is which is not going to stop with a second wave there will be a third wave japan is experiencing a fourth wave so it's not something that is going to go away. any time soon so there has to be some way of uh, you know preparing the medical infrastructure which is not going to happen in the overnight or in the short term but it has to you know there has to be a careful serious thinking about uh, improving the state of uh, the health infrastructure because what people generally you know look at is uh, health spending as a percentage of gdp that's that's one of the proxy measures used and even though we are we are we are very low on that but that's not the only thing to measure at you know it has to be looking at the uh, public sector healthcare it has to be looking at the the state of insurance in the economy looking at the state of uh, healthcare in the rural sector and making it much more decentralized because just looking at if we just you know in the budget we announced that now the health uh, spending to gdp will be increased from x to y percent that really does not solve the uh, problem it has to be done at multiple levels including you know improving the state of medical education setting up more medical institutes and so on so one uh, uh, point is that second is we have to prepare the economy also and which has already started happening that you know economy has to be prepared businesses have to be prepared for uh, these kind of uh, Uh, continuous waves of uh, pandemics some businesses have adapted to it but more and more businesses need to adapt to this kind of uh, you know uh, uh, eventuality which is not going to 
uh, you know be out very time soon so there are a couple of uh, short term and uh, medium term measures and at the same time there are a lot of measures on the fiscal front that the government needs to undertake there there are a host of financial sector reforms that are waiting to happen you know a lot of reforms were introduced uh, last year in terms of disinvestment privatization there are a lot of ref- uh, you know announcements m- were made but at the same time they need to be carried forward uh, they need to be worked out so that they you know for example the privatization of uh, some of the uh, state entities whatever was announced the national strategic policy on disinvestment all those policies that were announced uh, in the various fields other than the uh, and the other financial sector reform those need to be taken forward uh, steps need to be taken to improve the financial uh, health of the economy in terms of you know banking sector uh, npas and all of these things so it has to be a it has to be a careful thinking on a number of uh, fronts and uh, it has to be analyzed in terms of what short term medium term and long term measures can be adopted so the reform momentum should not be lost uh, uh, in the you know thinking just about uh, about immediate pandemic measures so that's kind of an hidden uh, cost i guess uh, we are it's holding back the other reforms right? yes we wake like to reframe the question that will be like how do we prevent another lockdown that's another way of saying <laughs> <laughs> the only i think the only way to uh, prevent another lockdown is to essentially uh, concentrate uh, on uh, you know providing the number of vaccines that the nation needs uh, the other thing that needs to be uh, done is that you know you have a lot of these uh, experts going around uh, or not experts uh, basically influencers going around who have all kinds of opinions on the disease you know some people feel there is no uh, oxygen uh, is limitless uh, then there are others who have recommended chocolate to avoid corona stress so it has to be you know it has to be ensured that you know this kind of rubbish doesn't go around because uh, a lot of people end up believing in these things and uh, you know when their time to get vaccinated comes they may not want to vaccinate so it is very important that other than uh ensuring that vaccine supplies uh you know are uh, you know uh, are ensured uh, and it is also important to uh, make sure that uh, the right messaging uh, goes to the country i mean right now a lot of influential people the kind of stuff that they are talking uh is something that can be uh, avoided because uh, you know the kind of rubbish that's going around on whatsapp is simply mind boggling uh so once so my big fear is that even though you know the right now there is there is a huge amount of demand uh, for vaccines but uh, this is uh, largely from uh, you know cities uh, so the you know once that demand is exhausted uh, you know one needs to be sure that vaccination continues and for that the uh, you know the right messaging uh, needs to happen from the government that's actually something i noted uh, during my tr- recent trip to a village uh, i think the uh, hospitals there were pretty uh, were actually asking people to come over and get vaccinated and there were many takers for that so what what apart from messaging do you think sir, some some other like uh, i think some countries have uh, looked at uh, giving other incentives or disincentives for people uh, so that's to get that's also another thing yeah. that can be you know that can be done wherein uh given the fact that uh, fci godowns have a huge amount of uh, you know rice and wheat with them 
uh, and you know it might be it might sort of make sense to incentivize people uh, who uh, come and get vaccinated with uh, you know some free rice and wheat or depositing some money in, into their jandhan account something like that so the point is you know i mean these things need to be thought about and right now nobody seems to be thinking about them. i mean we are we aren't even thinking about you know uh, vaccine supply so this is like you know the next level so do you think that would be acceptable i mean it is, <laughs> i'm not sure some would find uh, something wrong with that like, you know what linking I mean, linking benefits to vaccination I mean, see, it's a, it, you know, yeah. it's a, it, it is a tricky issue, but you know, yeah. my point is that you would rather uh, have people getting vaccinated than not getting vaccinated. Mm-mm. So whatever it takes, this is not a. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I I get the point you are trying to make, but if uh, a herd immunity has to be achieved, uh, then you have to ensure that a maximum number of people get vaccinated, and uh, you know, some of the stuff that is going around right now. I mean, so I was recently reading this uh, book on uh, the 1918 pandemic, and at that point of time, uh, after the vaccine came out, and the kind of doubts that people had in their minds about the vaccine, the same kind of doubts seem to be prevailing a hundred years later as well. So, so there has to be some way to tackle this. How was the like? How were those misconceptions tackled? Any idea? That? I don't know. I mean that you know that the book didn't talk about. So okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something else you would like to add, Radhika or Vivek? No, I completely oh. agree with Vivek okay. because uh, you know communication is very important, and uh, uh, what happens is that especially in the remote areas and. to communicate in the local languages and to explain the benefits of vaccination uh, it's very critical very important not only in the field of vaccine even a lot of government scheme that were introduced which were uh, you know many people or many msmes did not take that scheme because they were not even aware of those scheme so communication plays a very important role a right level of communication communication in local languages by the people whom the 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 people uh, trust it's it's very important in vaccination and in other uh, government schemes uh, uh, field because uh, there is a lot of vaccine hesitancy uh, people are not willing to uh, go and get themselves vaccinated there are lots of questions and issues in their mind so all those things need to be clarified Uh, uh, so that you know uh, we vaccinate a considerable chunk of population sooner rather than later, and communication plays a very critical role. I think I completely agree also, with that. Also, you know, uh, we what what happens? What the government typically tends to do is it will bring out a very text-heavy ad yes. in all the newspapers. Nobody is going to sit and read that. Okay, so you need visual and audio communication. You need to tap radio. You need to tap uh, all apps. You need to tap. you know uh, television channels and get people you know i mean like polio polio uh, the vaccine uh, amitabh bachchan came on tv and talked about it right so that sort of you know helped the message go across now we have influencers who are talking about the fact that uh, if you burn a certain kind of wood you know covid will not happen or i mean there's so much rubbish going around so it is important to get the right people and starting from the prime minister because when he speaks people listen to him so he needs to communicate and make these short videos i mean he needs to act like a uh, like an instagram influencer you know there is no point in ha- giving half an hour 45 minute speeches 
he should do Singaporean prime minister exactly he should he should do 30 second one minute videos where one point just one point you don't have to say 20 things in the same video you have to just say one point and you have to you know and and the message should go across and you know you have to get all these big film stars cricketers you know anyone a person would listen to to talk about uh, these things because you know giving ads in newspapers is not going to help nobody has the patience to sit and read you know uh, 1000 words so so that is very very important so i guess if you look at it from the perspective of uh, point of opportunity cost i guess the cost of doing all this is much cheaper than it is minimal uh, yeah <laughs> com- compared to the cost of the lockdown and the, the fiscal and the monetary stimulus it's a fraction i guess i mean all it needs is you know one decent cell phone and you're done i mean the video it need not be a you know a, a, any average video would do as long as the person saying it has some credibility that's it yeah that's about it i think it's uh, th- thanks to both of you yeah thank you thanks prashant yeah.